This week on Medical Minefield, Dr Philippa Kay. There still seems to be this idea that sex is for male pleasure and that women should lie back and think of England and put up with a degree of pain and if not that, then definitely put up with a lack of pleasure. And Dr Shirin Lakani particularly older women often think that other people their age aren't still having sex and it's very very common for women to still be sexually active well past menopause. Welcome to Medical Minefield the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we are health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're asking, why do so many women put up with painful sex? As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us at MedMinefield. So, Eve, this is a favourite subject of yours. It is. I love painful talking sex. about painful sex. Great. Anything about sex, I love talking about. So, what? what, <laughs> what why are we talking about it this week? Uh, we're talking about it this week because uh, our GP columnist, Dr. Philippa Kay, has recognised somewhat of a trend in her patients. She's seeing lots of older, mainly women, coming in with lots of different genital urinal problems. <laughs> She's noticed that many of them are related to the fact that more women are single in older age and are maybe going on dating apps. They've maybe come out of long-term uh, relationships, long-term marriages. Some so of them, the, the partners have died and they've gone on to, you know, to past as new. Phenomenon of, of midlife dating. Midlife, midlife dating is causing... The Daily Mail um, favourite subject. It's quite a serious subject. And I, I suppose it kind of ties into this generational difference mm. as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a different generation out on the dating scene. And, you know, I suppose, there, was there more of an attitude maybe in years gone by that women had to lie back and think of England, that, that pleasure during sex was really the man's territory and that, that women, you know, weren't supposed to enjoy it or talk about it? I know that some do argue that heterosexual sex in general is fundamentally not really designed for women. And What do you mean? Well, <laughs> women are less likely to feel satisfied from penetrative sex than men are. Right. Just because of the... The anatomy, the, the, way, anatomy, it works. the way it works. I'm not explaining, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. I mean, we've we've had writers touch on this subject, so to speak, over the years. Everything is going to sound like a double entendre now yes. when it's not supposed to because we take We're this subject serious extremely journalists. seriously. Mm-hmm. And Liz O'Riordan wrote about this subject. And, well, women after cancer, uh, she got them at that point because, you know, taking, taking cancer medications and all sorts mm-hmm. totally changes your body and it can make sex very difficult. And she wanted to write a piece about uh, encouraging women to use sex toys and to explore their own bodies and she had met quite a lot of surprise from from older women who just weren't used to thinking about themselves in that way mm, and mm. you know she'd really she's she's gone to great lengths to encourage women to talk about these things and and as has Philippa Kay mm. last week Dr Eddie Cannon in fact wrote about this in her column and asked readers to write in if they'd experienced discomfort or unusual symptoms related to having a new partner. And we had a huge mailbag of people 
people who said yes that it had happened to them. And Absolutely. One thing that I found really interesting was that there's this whole kind of collection of problems that you can experience simply by being in a new sexual relationship with a new person that isn't necessarily just confined to sexually transmitted infections that we all know of, but there's a whole host of other things that can go wrong. Like what? You're you're more likely to get things like urinary tract infections because if you're with a new partner, you're more likely to be having sex more frequently and urinary tract infections can happen a lot with very frequent sex because it's to do with the travel of bacteria and friction and all that kind of thing. You can get bleeding because, especially in postmenopausal women, the area is quite dry and can change shape. And therefore, the more friction you introduce, the more likely you are to tear the tissues or irritate the tissues, mm-hmm. etc. And and I mean, with men starting new relationships in in midlife as well, uh, certainly anecdotally, I don't know if there's any research on this, but GPs I've spoken to say that erectile dysfunction is much more common. Psychologically, mm. it's difficult for men to go into a new relationship and perform. It's one of those kind of vicious circles that men then worry about it and it gets worse and... Mm. It can be really difficult. So you know, it's it's not just it's not just women. It's not what about just men? Women. What, <laughs> what about men? <laughs> Who will whoever mentions the men? Who think of the men? <laughs> but it is also um, things that would seem quite logical. So if you're in a new relationship with a new partner, if you say you've been married, having sex with the same person for fifty years, and then suddenly you're with a new person, you're more likely to maybe experiment with things or, that you haven't done before. There's also Viagra. Yeah. Rekindling things in relationships. Yes. 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 Mm. Would that maybe lead potentially to problems for the woman if... Well, I think Viagra can end up making you go on for a long time. So by proxy, (laughs) not just psychologically, (laughs) but physically that, you know, you don't want to be... Irritated. Irritated in midlife. No, there's enough irritation going on there. Exactly. Well, look, before we call Philippa, read out some of these letters. And this is going to end up making this episode sound like my dad wrote a porno. So (laughs) (laughs) these are real life examples. These are real life examples. And we're obviously not going to mention anyone's names because that would be terrible. So this is a first letter. Hello, I am a 64 year old woman. I had a hysterectomy at 31 and early menopause. At 61, I had not had sex for over 15 years and as my husband had died, I decided I was too young to give up and embarked on dating. My first experience of sex with him was a nightmare and ended the relationship immediately. He was so well endowed that I told him that it would be impossible to accommodate him, even with lubrication. He said it would be fine and went on ahead. (laughs) (laughs) What a gem. She goes on to then explain that actually it wasn't fine at all and she bled incredibly badly, uh, ended up in hospital and didn't stop bleeding for about a week. She goes on to say that the injury then reopened a fortnight later and she had to go back to the GP for more stitches, I imagine. Bloody hell. Then she says, as I am a glutton for punishment, I soon started dating a very nice man and I explained to him my problem. So we took things a lot slower and now two and a half years later we have a gentle but very regular sex life. At least four times a week. We do use lubrication, but as I get older I'm actually having to use less. Oh, and her boyfriend is 71. Well, She also apologises in case this is quite graphic. It certainly is that. Uh, Do you want another one? Yes. Hello. I read with interest your article in yesterday's MOS about intimate discomfort postmenopause. You wanted to hear from anyone who'd suffered. This is my story. 
My partner of 15 years died in 2015 when I was 50. We hadn't been sexually active for a few years prior to this due to his illness. In 2018, I met a lovely new partner. Unfortunately, the intimate side of our relationship was very difficult. It was incredibly painful for me having sex. It felt like my insides were having sandpaper grated on them and I also suffered bleeding. Uh, She goes on to say that she went to see her GP and the GP diagnosed a traumatised vagina. She also prescribed Vagifem pessaries, which really were of little help as they left a chalky residue. My very patient partner and I continued using copious amounts of lubrication during sex, which was messy and unpleasant, and I also still suffered pain. She goes on to say that the only thing that seemed to work was an oestrogen gel, and the improvement since then has been amazing. She has no pain at all, and instead of using any lubrication externally, she uses a tiny amount of olive and bee intimate cream, which is made in Australia, and she buys it on Amazon. Nice plug for I think, <laughs> olive and bee intimate cream. I think I think the message is that, that there are... There's there things, are you, can things do. you can do to help. And and before we go any further, let's let's speak to uh, a doctor who really knows their stuff about this, uh, Dr. Philippa Kay, who is a GP and women's health specialist. Philippa, as ever, thank you so much for finding some time to talk to us. We're discussing today the piece that you're writing for us at the moment on women putting up with pain and discomfort during sex, particularly middle-aged and older or midlife women and also men. I mean, it's something that you say you see not uncommonly. Would you like to take us through what, you know, typically, uh, you know, a patient might come in and, and be complaining of? So I think that there's probably two groups of patients in this position. There's the group of patients that come in and tell me because they're fed up and they say sex hurts or they're worried that they had a painful experience and they started bleeding or something has changed. And then there's the group of patients who never, ever would have brought it up unless I did. And so those are often patients who might come in for itching or soreness in the genitals or recurrent urinary tract infections or for other menopausal symptoms. And I am the one that brings it up. And they can be a little bit taken aback at first. And then often they say, oh, thank you. I never would have mentioned it. But often they've been struggling for years and there still seems to be this idea that sex and by sex, I mean that patriarchal definition of sex as penis and vagina penetration is for male pleasure and that women should lie back and think of England and put up with a degree of pain and if not that then definitely put up with a lack of pleasure and until we can begin to separate the women's health bit from all that history of patriarchy and misogyny and shame it's going to be really difficult to sort the health Philip, do you think it's a generational thing? I mean, younger women don't feel in that way, do they? I mean, you know, people have been brought up on Cosmo 10 ways to have an orgasm before he's even sat down. (laughs) If he doesn't make you, you know, multiple orgasms, you know, the kind of thing. I mean, I'd say the knock on effect of that has has only been to make men feel like they're not really measuring up. So that's that's really interesting. So so I think that there's there's a complete variation. So the older generation, there's definitely a thing about virginity is purity, 
cleanliness is purity that if you have a discharge that you're dirty all these things aren't true if you have an odor that you're dirty and if you have an sti then you're certainly dirty and you know these things definitely aren't true and there's definitely an idea of that and in the older generation it's still there actually across everybody and that's just shown by the fact that one of the kardashians courtney kardashian i think has just brought out a gummy to make your vagina smell better so it's definitely still there remembering that there are lots of groups of our society which are Mm. hardly reached where these messages are very clear and actually in the youngest age group of our of the sexually active group they've got an entirely different view and that's often based around porn and what female pleasure is based around porn is not necessarily what it is in real life. So yes, I think that all those magazines have had an impact, but they've had an impact only on one group. And there's still loads of other women out there. So, I mean, the reason that that you talk about these things is because there's actually quite a lot that a GP can do to help Mm. certainly middle-aged women who are experiencing discomfort Mm. because there are specific reasons for it and then there are specific ways of tackling it. Would you like to take us through a few of those? Yeah, so um, for most women who are in their 40s will be in the perimenopause. The average age of the menopause in the UK is 51. And the changing hormone levels of that affect all the tissues of the vulva, the vagina, and the urinary tract. So your genitals and your urinary tract. And it means that without estrogen, the tissues are less elastic. um, So they can't stretch as well. They are drier and also less able to produce secretions and discharge on arousal. And the combination of those things means that you are likely to have a dry, itchy, sore, burning vulva vagina, but penetration can be really painful. Once penetration is painful, that can impact your libido. But also the next time you want to have penetration, you're afraid of that penetration. And that might be on a subconscious level, but then there can be an element of vaginismus as well, which is where there is a completely involuntary, so it's not in your control, spasm of the vaginal wall muscles, which makes penetration difficult or even impossible. So the first thing is that lube is everyone's best friends. No matter your gender, no matter your age, lube should be everyone's best friend. But by lube, I mean proper lube and good lube, and that's probably not on your local high street, actually, because most of them contain glycerins and glycols, which make things sticky and sweet, but they also increase your risk of thrush and BV. You don't want something with a high pH, which again can affect the vaginal microbiome. Can I just ask, why do they sell these perfume products that, that irritate people? Why, why are they even there? So it's an interesting question. Because they're all in boots, it has them all. And... They're everywhere. So the flavoured ones are generally a problem, but flavours there because we go straight back into that that misogyny thing of the vaginas don't taste or smell nice and you need to change that taste or smell. And so straight away, we're back to our first problem. They're cheap, they're cheerful, and and for some people they don't irritate them, but for many people that they do, and especially in midlife onwards, they do. If I'm allowed to mention brands, and I rarely mention brands, but there are three brands which I think are safe. I would say yes, Sutil or Silk, and they come um, water-based, oil-based, and silicone-based. Water-based feels very natural, doesn't last quite as long as oil-based, which feels richer and creamier, but oil-based eats through condoms. And often using the two of them together is really helpful because oil and water don't mix. So we have something called the double glide effect. So lube is everyone's best friend. Then you might need a vaginal moisturizer, which is longer lasting because lube is only used during penetration. 
And if that doesn't work, then most women can have vaginal estrogen. And that is not the same as whole body HRT. In fact, using vaginal estrogen for a year is the same as having one or two tablets of oral HRT. So for most people, unless you have active breast cancer or are potentially taking a form of hormone therapy for breast cancer, they are not only safe, but hugely effective and can be life changing. And now they're actually even available over the counter. Philippa, can I ask you, you mentioned briefly at the beginning of this conversation, Courtney Kardashian and her new vagina pill. From what I understand, it's it's a prebiotic or a probiotic, I think. And you also mentioned bacteria and different microbiome and the pH of the vagina. Is there anything to be said about prebiotics or probiotics that can improve the health of the vagina? We know that there is a microbiome in the vagina and the natural flora there. And when that gets imbalanced, you can get things like bacterial vaginosis and thrush. We are not aware of any food stuff. So they're pineapple flavored because there's always been this sort of saying that if you eat loads of pineapple, you can change the taste and smell of a vagina. There's no evidence that the food that you eat can impact the microbiome of the vagina. And so we don't have evidence for a probiotic or a prebiotic that does that. So often people will talk about using things like yogurt to treat thrush or put things like garlic inside them to treat thrush. Don't put foodstuffs inside your vagina. They rot. Um, They cause other problems. That's come up more times than you would think in my surgery. I was going to say, I can't believe that's a piece of advice that you have to give. (laughs) Yeah, hashtag things not to put in your vagina. So, And I think that this one in particular, because it's feeding straight into the change the smell, change the taste, is very problematic. But I'm not aware of any evidence at the moment that pre and probiotics can change that. And that might change in the future. And there's more and more research being done into the vaginal microbiome and the importance of that. Can I ask a related question? There was something in your piece that intrigued me that you talked about a new partner could trigger bacterial changes that weren't even necessarily a full-blown bacterial infection, that just having a new partner and their their microbiome meeting your microbiome in in midlife older age yeah so bacterial vaginosis is where there's an imbalance of the bacteria in your vagina in the same way that thrush is an imbalance but it's it's, it's an overgrowth of, of candida anything that changes the internal environment of the vagina be that a new partner or douching please don't do that or bubble bath or whatever anything can cause bacterial vaginosis and so having a new partner can do that but it can happen with having the same partner it can happen when you change condom it can it can happen for all kinds of reasons and sometimes we don't know exactly what happens classically it gives a sort of fishy smelling discharge so the smell changes from the normal smell that's normal for you um, and um, it can give like a watery discharge as well um, and we would either give oral antibiotics or an antibiotic cream to put inside. So your message would be very much that these things can all be tackled. But you do say that women often don't come and see you or they'll say that they have sat there for weeks, months, you know, embarrassed of of talking to anyone. Because, again, I just hate to keep bringing men back up, but (laughs) um, I'm speaking from my own world of experience. And it's often an accusation of men not going to the doctor with embarrassing problems 
But it would seem it's all of us that avoid talking to a doctor about it. So men and women have different relationships with the doctor. And traditionally, it's been the idea that a woman is better at going to the doctor. It might be that they've started with period pains and then they go for contraception and then they go when they're pregnant. And then traditionally, they've been the caregiver for children. So that they've had that relationship with a GP in particular and that men don't always have that. Sex is important to all genders. And um, men will go to a pharmacist to talk about erectile dysfunction and they will come to the doctor to talk about erectile dysfunction. They'll be embarrassed about it, but they'll come to it. Women seem, and this is anecdote, but women are so embarrassed that it might even stop them. And some of that, I think, just harks back to this idea that sex is for men. And that's not true. Sex is for everybody and, and, and sex is healthy for everybody. What I do see is women being embarrassed to come because they think that they're fessing up to something bad. And they often will preface it with, I've been a good girl. I was always a good girl. I didn't lose my virginity until I stayed faithful. I was good. And now look what happened and I got punished. And it feeds into these messages that they've been told their whole lives from a very early age. And these things take a really long time to change. So my message to anybody out there, no matter how old you are, is that sex should not be painful and you do not have to put up with it. And we have treatments for lots of different things. If you have any bleeding after sex, if you have any irregular bleeding, please do get that checked out by your doctor. And you don't have to wait until you are perimenopausal or menopausal to deal with painful sex because it can occur at any age. And vaginal dryness is extremely common. And if you have anything that's different for you, do get it checked. And if you're sexually active, no matter how old you are, that means that you need to get regular SDI checks. Great advice. Well, Philippa, thank you so much for coming on today and having a chat with us. You're welcome. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's interesting what Philippa says about, I suppose, philosophical underpinnings of, mm. of the generation's attitude towards their body and that, that women are, are framed in this very, it's all, almost a kind of uh, religious, moralistic kind mm. of way that, that you're either a mother or... You have to be an angel virgin. The mother or you're a, a wanton woman in some way. Mm, burner at the stake. Yeah. And that by admitting to going out and seeking sex, uh, you're somehow admitting that you're a bad person. I think that's really sad. It's really sad. It's really sad. And I think also it's interesting what you said about how you think that for younger women, you know, influences from... Cosmo, etc., has changed the the landscape slightly. I mean, that's my generation, so mid, middle aged as well. I, but... d- I don't know if I agree because also in Cosmo there was lots of articles about how to please the man and you know how to make sure that he was happy and satisfied, etc. I think that there is a bit of a lack of acknowledgement about the fact that sex for women is quite a lot more complicated than it is for a man. I think the whole thing is a mess because. Whichever way you look at it, I think that culture or popular culture is trying to simplify something that is so complicated and individual and unique and and so much to do with the relationship between those two people in that moment and, you know, the amount of wine you've had. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Importantly. Importantly. Let's speak to our next guest. It, it was one of my favourite pieces that you ever did where you went, or it's certainly one of my favourite pictures of you in a piece. The one where I'm alone in the cafe? N- no, 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 not in the lonely. No. The one no, where it, I did a, my own smear test in the toilet? No, no that was a good picture. Yeah. But obviously, listeners, it wasn't of it wasn't the picture. doing... Yeah. The, anyway, 
It was the one where you visited Shirin Lakani's clinic and you met lots of women who were taking steps to tackle these problems in, in some actually quite unusual ways. Why don't you uh, get her on the phone? Joining us now is Dr. Shirin Lakani, who is a GP specialising in women's health. Dr. Lakani, thank you so much for sparing some time to have a chat with us this afternoon. We're talking about why women put up with painful sex. I know that you see a lot of women in their midlife stage, perhaps uh, you know, engaging in new sexual relationships. Why do you think that this group of women tend to put up with an experience that's painful and uncomfortable for them? Well, I think the issue, Eve, is that they don't realise that there are options available and painful sex is not normal. Particularly older women often think that other people their age aren't still having sex. And it's very, very common for women to still be sexually active well past menopause. So the reason they don't talk about it is because of the taboos and stigma surrounding it and the lack of information available to them. And you offer some treatments, don't you? I mean, what what are the things that are popular that women are coming in to, to ask for? Well, it depends on the reasons why intercourse is painful for them. Particularly in the peri and menopausal group of patients, it's usually down to vaginal atrophy and that happens because of the lack of oestrogen. So in this group of patients, I can offer a multitude of treatments, starting with hormone replacement, and that can just be local to the vagina and the vulva if people don't want to take it systemically. Some people, even with localised oestrogen, are still scared of taking it because of all the previous press that's gone on around it. So there are other options. You can inject hyaluronic acid inside the vagina, which can help rejuvenate and hydrate the tissue. And another treatment I offer is the O-Shot, which is PRP injections. That involves taking blood from the patient, spinning it in a centrifuge and concentrating the platelets. And that is then injected into the tissue you want to rejuvenate. So in this case, it would be the vagina and the vulva. Wow. And that's popular, is it? Incredibly. It also treats a condition called lichen sclerosis, which could be another reason why sex is painful. That can affect women of any age. It destroys the genital tissue. It causes burning, tearing of the tissue as well. And I see a lot of women who come in for painful intercourse and don't even know they've got lichen sclerosis. Very few of these treatments are available in the NHS, are they? The injectable treatments tend not to be available on the NHS, but HRT is available and they need to know that they can go to their doctors and ask for it. And with regards to the injectable treatments, why aren't they more widely available, especially if they can treat conditions like lichen sclerosis? Well, the problem we have with those treatments is they don't have good quality randomised controlled trials that many medications have. So it takes a while for the NHS to catch up. With PRP in particular, it is now available for certain conditions on the NHS, but women's health still needs to catch up. And to what extent would you say, Dr Lakani, the popularity of your services, to what extent do you think that that's related to an increase in dating, an increase in the use of dating apps in in this kind of older age group? I think it's more to do with the fact that women feel younger now than they did previously at certain ages. So if you look at 50-year-olds now compared to how we saw 50-year-olds maybe even 30 years ago. There is a vast difference in their lifestyles and their energy levels, etc. So as a population, we're staying younger for longer. Do you see women who have just 
began a new relationship with somebody and they are all of a sudden interested in this area of their life more than perhaps they were before? I do get that population through, but I also see women who are in long-standing relationships who just can't deal with the pain anymore. I always remember writing about, I mean, years ago, writing about uh, the then new procedures that the plastic surgeons were offering, certain kinds of rejuvenating sur- surgical procedures, labiaplasty, uh, etc. The the amazing thing I thought was that you know the doctors were all saying it's not the porn stars that come in, it's housewives. Mm. It's middle-aged women who've put up with almost decades and decades since having children of not being happy with the way their body looked and finally doing something about it because they have a bit more money in, in middle age. I mean, is that is that your experience? It's not glamour girls necessarily. Well, it's certainly not glamour girls in my clinic and the treatments I offer tend to be more for functional reasons rather than appearance. So I don't offer well, any exactly. surgical treatments at all. But I think even with the previous surgical treatments that you're talking about is people coming in for a functional improvement more so than how it looks. Also with the appearance as well, I mean, we're paying more attention to the whole of our body. So if someone is concerned about the appearance, there's no reason why they shouldn't seek out a treatment to improve an area that's causing them a lack of self-confidence as well. Also, when I was writing about this, someone pointed out the the reason that women felt more self-conscious these days was because no one has any pubic hair now. I think that is one of the reasons that women are seeing more of their um, genitals because people are removing pubic hair. But I think the swing's going back the other way now and I'm seeing more and more people who are keeping their pubic hair. Bring back the bush. Absolutely. Oh, the 70s look is back. (laughs) Um, It is starting to make a comeback, yes. Excellent. Well, with that, I think we should leave it for now. But thanks so much for finding some time to talk to us. You're very welcome. Well, two in the hand is uh, is one in the bush, Eve, as they say. Sure. Would you like me to read another letter? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Come on. Okay. <clears throat> I like this one. I recently had this problem. Although we are both in our 70s, sex, comma, making love, comma, is important to us. We don't live together, but we see each other every week. There have been times when it has been sore afterwards. We had a break of three weeks when first he wasn't well, and then I had a cold and I couldn't shake it off. And the next time, we sort of made up for lost time. I experienced soreness, which continued for several days. I rang the surgery. They gave me an appointment with a lady doctor the next morning. She was very professional, and despite the intimate nature of the problem, I didn't feel uncomfortable or embarrassed discussing it. Her attitude helped. It felt no different to discussing a sore throat or flu, etc. On examination, immediately, she could tell I was dry. She prescribed silk gel, which I think is the one that Philippa mentioned, which worked to treat. It's silk with a Y, isn't it? Yes. Kind regards. Well, job done. I think that what fascinates me here is this idea about female sexuality and how complicated it is and how it's not just, you know, in and out and you'll have a great time. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, I'm not the person to... <laughs> To give you that lesson. But do you think that men are getting better at understanding it? Or do you think we're still in the the age where, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, never the twain shall meet? I think men are getting better. I think there's improvement there, but not all men. <laughs> I still think that there's a warped idea of what things comfortable with your sexuality means for women and what they should be feeling. I think also the amount of times that I've heard from my friends that they have 
been involved with someone who was having a great time and they weren't having a great time and the man doesn't ever seem to pick up on that. It's much easier for a man to have a great time than it is a woman. Sometimes it takes a little bit of work. Do you think Do you think some of that just is down to plain old incompatibility? I think so, yes, but I think that female arousal, I think, is more complicated than male arousal. But the idea that, that you know, a guy could be so unaware that the, the woman that he's being intimate with isn't having a good time, you know, surely... I don't think he's interested. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know. In, in some I mean, cases. Sure, surely, you know, the, the, these friends of yours, they're not, they're not in these situations long term. No, 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 no. This is this is a big red flag, and then they go on their separate ways. Yeah, this is a he was terrible, and I've never spoken to him ever again. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that anyone can be blamed necessarily, or well, I mean, presumably someone can be blamed for bad sex, but it isn't all to do with the patriarchy. I'm just trying to dig dig some. To dig I don't, my I don't way think out it's the that. patriarchy. I think there's bi- fundamental biological differences that maybe aren't appreciated as much as they should be appreciated. I read a great book once. It's called Come As You Are. It's by Emily Nagowski. She's a sex scientist from Canada. And I'd recommend every woman read it. Well, there you go. That's all we've got time for this week. If you were interested in this, then you can read Dr. Philippa Kay's piece in this weekend's A Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in good old-fashioned newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or on the Mail app. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.